Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, song we're going to sing is new and a little different, so we'd love for you to stand and sing with us and join in. And if you can't sing it, wave your hands around or dance yes. around or do something like that. And one, two, three, four. And Reaching for the prize, I'm giving everything. I give my life for this, it's what I live for. Nothing will keep me from all that you have for me. You hold my head up high, I live for you. Greater is he that's living in me than he that is in the world. Faith, I can move the mountain. Good morning. It's great to see you all here this morning, this first Sunday of April. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, don't go and gather grain in another field, and don't leave this one, but stay here close to my female servants. See which field they are harvesting and follow them. 
Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. She bowed with her face to the ground and said to him, Why are you so kind to notice me, although I am a foreigner? Boaz answered her, Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me, how you left your father and mother and the land of your birth and how you came to a people you didn't previously know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done, and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. My Lord, she said, you have been so kind to me, for you have comforted and encouraged your slave, although I am not like the one of your female servants. At mealtime, Boaz told her, come over here and have some bread and dip it in the vinegar sauce. So she sat beside the harvesters, and he offered her roasted grain. She ate and was satisfied and had some left over. When she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, let her even gather grain among the bundles and don't humiliate her. Put out some stalks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. Loving God, we gather today to praise you, to tell of your love, and to give you thanks. We thank you especially this morning for the blessings of life and our duty in it. Open our hearts and your understanding today as we listen to meditate upon your scripture. Teach us to walk in the faith that your kingdom might be made to know all. Give us patience that we may wait on you. Fill us with your love and grace as we celebrate communion this day. May we leave here reflecting your light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm so happy to see everybody here today. There's so many faces out there, and that just warms my heart as we approach this Easter season. Okay, guys, so if I can invite kiddos to come forward, anybody who wants to be part of the children's sermon can come up and sit on the uh, pews up here. We have uh, my awesome friends here from Anchored, our youth music ministry that meets at, on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Go ahead, come on up. You can come sit on the front pew. I won't bite, I promise. I won't buy hard, right? Um, so these are my friends from Anchored, my friend Paisley and Nick Nicholas up here. And um, they are going to share a song with us. Hey, Daddy. Do you want to be part of it? What? You want to go sit there? Let's go sit here. Okay. So they're going to um, play a song for us called um, If We Are the Body by Casting Crowns. And it's funny how God works because when we picked out this song, we didn't actually have a date to play it. But um, the closer we get to Easter season, the more I think he knew exactly what he was doing when we picked out the song because what better time for us to think about being the body of Christ than when he is, we're focused on the scripture where he is showing us exactly how to be Christ, right? He's showing us his ministry, the way he showed love and kindness and compassion to anybody and everyone he met, the abundance of mercy that he doled out to each and every single one of us during that holy week should be a reminder to every one of us to do that to others that we encounter in our lives. And so this song, I think, is a great representation of the challenge it is for us as Christians to walk as Jesus walked and to behave as he behaved. And I am so happy that they are here to share their talents with us and help lead us in worship. So I'm going to head to the back, and then they will sing.
is crowding in worship today she slips in quietly fades into the faces girls teasing laughter is carrying farther than they know farther than they know but if we are the body why aren't his arms reaching why aren't his hands healing why aren't his words reaching and if we are the body why aren't his feet going why is his love not showing Traveler is far away from home He sheds his coat Quietly fades into the back row Weed of their judgmental glances Tell him that his chances Better off on the road But if we are the body why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing? Then there is a way. Jesus paid much too high a price For us to pick and choose who should come We are the body of Christ And if we are the body Why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing? Then there is a way. And if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his Showing them there is a way. Jesus is the way. Please stand if you're able and join me in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's good to see all of y'all here on this first Sunday of April. And uh, what is this? The fifth Sunday of Lent. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And I know there's, there are a few of you that probably visited last week, and you're probably sad that Carl's not back up here. You know? <laughs> but what can I say? You're stuck with me today. So anyway, so it goes, so it goes. This morning, we're actually, I've actually picked a scripture from the fifth Sunday of Easter, which is, you know, supposed to be, you know, Easter is the first Sunday of Easter. Go figure, right? And, uh, and with the, the lectionary, but y'all know me, I'm, I'm sort of a free-range Methodist. I don't, I don't necessarily stick to the lectionary as it goes all the time, and I thought this would be a good time not to because today's Scripture really tells us about what Jesus is doing, you know, and of what the resurrection is all about. Anyway, that being said, I will put in a plug for for April's. I've got to I got to get used to it being April too. For April's homework, which is Second Peter, right? Second Peter, chapter one, verses three through eleven. Chapter three starts out there saying that through His divine power, Jesus has given us everything, everything we need for life and godliness. And that's a lot of what today's scripture is about. Now I'm going to do something I don't normally do that I, I've toy with from time to time, and I've done it at other congregations, but I never made it uh, a habit at this congregation. I just sort of, you know, in, in some ways fell into the way things were done. I think it's a good habit, and for those of you who can, please join me and stand for the reading of the gospel. It's harder to sleep when you're standing, un un unless you're a horse, right? But I don't see any of those in here this morning. Consider the word of the Lord. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. 
They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. For they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be seated. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who provides more than we need for life and godliness. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is an, this is an interesting chapter in many, many ways in John's gospel. But uh, one of the things that makes it so interesting is, is because at the end of chapter 20, John tells you exactly why he wrote the gospel of John. And it seems like a perfectly good ending to his narrative. Let me read a, this. This is uh, from, from the preceding chapter, John 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. John wrote about how many? Seven. Seven signs or miracles that Jesus did in his ministry in the Gospel of John. He cherry-picked seven for specific reasons, of which we, won't, we don't have time to go into this morning, but he picked seven 
And you might have noticed there were seven disciples on the beach or in the boat that went fishing. But these are written, these particular seven, that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. So John tells us, he says, the reason he wrote his gospel was so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, God sent him, God's son, and that, so that we would have life in his name. It's all about life. It's all about life. Always has been, always will be. And, it, and it's a gift from God for all of us, for all of us. So let's consider what's going on here for a few minutes this particular morning. Now remember, and it tells us here at the end, Jesus has already appeared to his disciples two times, right? He's already made two appearances. Remember, he walked through the, the, the wall there in the upper room and saw his disciples, and, and Thomas wasn't there, right? And then later on, when Thomas was there, he came back again. So they've gone back to their old ways, right? Jesus is gone. We don't know where. The Scripture doesn't tell us. And the disciples didn't know where he had gone either. So, you know, one of the, one of the things that's so wonderful about the Bible, and a lot of times I think people miss, is everybody in the Bible is presented just the way we are, right? Nobody gets particularly sugar-coated, so to speak, or their they're, uh, warts removed and things like that. The disciples are just garden variety people, just like the rest of us. And so Jesus is out of sight. They go fishing, right? They revert to what they normally, normally do, what feels comfortable for them, you know? Peter's wife, and she, she doesn't get a lot of text, right? But he had a wife, right? Everybody knows Peter had a wife. How do we know that? He had a mother-in-law that Jesus healed, right? So if you don't get a mother-in-law unless you got a wife. So, you know, I'm, thinking, I'm wondering if Peter's wife wasn't saying to him, you know, you know, now it's time for you to get back to work, right? You know, you've been gallivanting all over Galilee and who knows where with this Jesus character, and uh, you've been neglecting your, your chores around the house. You haven't been to work lately. You know, you haven't been doing what you're supposed to do and all that. But for whatever reason, maybe they were, you know, maybe, maybe they were just, maybe it's sort of like we sometimes fall back into our old habits. It's kind of like eating comfort food, right? You get depressed and you think that, you know, a bag of chocolate will fix it, right? But, but we all know better, Right? It won't fix it. It may, it may taste good. It may be enjoyable. But it's not going to fix whatever's ailing you, right, whatever's bugging you. So for whatever reason, the disciples had fallen back into their old patterns. They'd gone fishing. And clearly at least, at least six of them decided to go along with Peter. 
you know, the, the four that are absent, and I say four because we know about Judas, uh, the four that are absent are unnamed as well as two of them in this particular group. And, you know, maybe they didn't revert to their old ways. Maybe they did. Who knows? Who knows? That would just be speculation. But in any case, it says what? It says Jesus appeared on the beach early in the morning. And the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus, right? So that's that's the first thing I want us to ask ourselves this morning. How many times in our lives does Jesus appear and we don't recognize him? And I think all of us can, can think of times like that I mentioned, I mentioned in my highlights article this month about my grandfather, my mother's father, and what he used to do for us when we were kids. And you can, you can read about that in highlights. But, but, you know, to me, that was one of those places that I didn't realize until much later in life where Jesus' love, the love of God was being exhibited, but I missed it. I missed it. And I think we all do that often. We all do that often. Now, now, did you notice? Did you notice when Carol read the passage out of Ruth chapter two? Did you see that? Boaz said to her, you know, may the Lord of Israel, may the Lord God of Israel reward you greatly for what you have done and keep you under his wings, right? Protect you under his wings. You know, there it was, the grace and love of God. It's all throughout Scripture. It's everywhere. It, it, runs, it, it runs throughout. It runs throughout Scripture. It runs throughout the world. It, it's all around us. But, but there Ruth is. Again, you all have studied some of that in some of your Sunday school classes and stuff. Again, I'll remind you, Ruth is a Moabite. Okay? So, you know, we might... I don't know what we would compare her to today if somebody walked in, but, uh, but she wasn't welcome in the congregation of Israel, but she was welcome. She was welcomed because there were God-fearing people who knew the right way to treat her, and they showed her hospitality. Now, this, this last chapter in the book of John... That we're, and we're talking about the first few verses there, I'll, I'll challenge all of you. This is another good uh, assignment for you, a good study for you. Go look at how that parallels Jesus' ministry altogether, altogether. You know, it's, 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 it's a nice little synopsis. But I want us to remember, too, that Mary Magdalene, when she first saw Jesus outside of the tomb, didn't recognize him, right? She thought he might be the gardener. She thought he might be the gardener. She didn't recognize him. So all of us, every morning, need to get up and recognize Jesus standing there, right? Because he's there every morning when the sun comes up, and that's 
the way we should start our day. We should start our day. So he calls out to them. He calls out to them, and he says, children, have you gotten any fish? And they say, no. Of course, he knew good and well they didn't have any. I guess he was seeing if they were going to tell the truth, right? They said no, and he says, what? Fish on the right side of the boat. Now, do you all remember? Do you all remember Luke chapter 5? In Luke chapter 5, it's one, of the, it's one of the places in the gospel where it tells us about Jesus calling his disciples. And in that particular, in that particular pericope, Jesus has commandeered Peter's boat, and he's gone out a little way from the shore, and the people are gathered around the shore so they can hear Jesus, right? Sort of an aquatic amphitheater that he's got set up there. He's used Peter's boat. And when he gets through, when he gets through with his teaching there, he says to Peter, let's go fishing, right? He says, put out further in, into the sea, right? And Peter says, what? He says, look, Lord, I've been fishing all night long, and I hadn't caught a thing. But if you say so, we'll go out, right? We'll go out. And it said there was another boat or two there. I don't remember if it's one or two. It doesn't matter. But there was, there was at least another boat. And it said when they, when they went out there where Jesus told them to put the nets down, they had so many fish, they couldn't bring them in in those two boats, right? Just like what's going on here in this situation. Here's, here's one for you for Bible, Bible trivia. If you're ever playing Bible trivia, did you realize, did you realize that the disciples, the ones of them that were fishermen in the Gospels, never caught a fish except when Jesus helped them? You can check it out, you know. Every, every, time, every time they try to do something on their own power, wow, there's a sermon in itself, isn't it? Every time they try to do something on their own power, they didn't get any fish, right? They came up empty netted, nothing there. But when they listened to Jesus and did what he said, hmm, they had more than they could haul in. Right? And more than they could haul in. Now, check this out. Like I said, this, this chapter is so good. It has so much in it. And we've only looked at, what, 14 verses or so. John doesn't call him by name, but in the book of John, John calls John the disciple who Jesus loved, right? It says he recognizes Jesus. He says, that's the Lord, right? Now, Peter... Peter is, John's more of a thinker. Peter's more of a doer. I mean, and, and you, can, you can read throughout, again, throughout the Gospels, their, char their characteristics are so different. They probably rubbed each other the wrong way, you know, of if, if the truth were known. And again, there's a great lesson for us. Believe it or not, I, and I know some of you are going to find this hard to believe. There have been times in my ministry where I've seen groups of Christians that went at each other's throats, right? And often, and often they would get upset with each other over the most trivial 
stuff, you know, the stuff that really doesn't matter. I think Peter and John might have been the same way, but, but look at the lesson. Look at the lesson that it gives us here. They have different gifts and graces, but they both have a place in God's kingdom, right? They both have a place in God's kingdom. Now, Peter gets up there on the beach before everybody else. And what is, and what is he greeted with? A charcoal fire, right? Y'all remember the last time Peter was around a charcoal fire? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus did what? He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. And he ate with sinners. Jesus was healing Peter. Did you ever look at it that way? Peter smelled that fire, and he thought, oh, Lord, you know, the last time I smelled this fire, I said three times that I don't even know Jesus, right? But Jesus forgave him. He forgave him. So the other guys show up. The other guys show up. And Peter helps them bring in the net of the abundant catch. And Jesus says, bring some of those fish and we'll cook them. But did you notice? Jesus already had fish on the fire. There was already fish on the fire. Again, just like the disciples never catching any fish without following Jesus' instructions, we can't do anything without his help. And he doesn't need our fish, so to speak, but he asks us to contribute, right? He asks us to contribute. That's part of it. He wants to work with us. He wants us to be servants with him in the ministry. You know? Now, this is after the resurrection, Jesus is resurrected, and what's he doing? He's still a servant. He's still a servant, even after the resurrection. He didn't die a servant and then raise, be resurrected in a glorified body and become something else. He was still a servant. He was still providing what the people needed. He was still healing the sick, feeding the hungry, and fraternizing with sinners, right? With sinners, as he still does today. So this morning as you come to the table, and by the way, talk about coming to the table. Did you all notice, did you all notice in that same passage that Carol read earlier, it said, Boaz gave Ruth some grain, and they dipped it in the vinegar, right? And had a meal, and she had more than enough, and there was some left over, right? There was some left over. Again, 
God's abundance for us is spoken of throughout Scripture, throughout Scripture. It's not just an afterthought. It's not just an afterthought. And what did Jesus do? It said he took the bread and the fish and he gave it to them, right? He gave it to them. He said you'll find some if you throw the, throw the net on the right side of the boat. Some what? I think he meant life. You know, you see, the fish to the fishermen, not only was it physical substance to their bodies, that was their vocation. That's how they made a living. And Jesus is telling us today, if we'll listen to him, if we'll do what he instructs us to do, we will have a catch too that we can't pull in. And we'll have plenty, plenty to share with everybody else. Amen? Please open your hymnals to page 12. If you are visiting with us, I'd like for you to know that at Holotus Hills United Methodist Church, we have open communion. Everyone is welcome at this table. This is the Lord's table. This is not the table of Holotus Hills United Methodist Church. So please join us if you, if you feel so moved. If you need gluten-free bread, I have a gluten-free option. Just come to the station that I am at and ask for it. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. In love you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and became subject to evil and death, your love remained steadfast. You bid your faithful people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the feast of the resurrection that renewed by your word and sacraments and fervent in prayer and works of justice and mercy, we may come to the fullness of grace that you have prepared for those who love you. 
And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent in the fullness of time to redeem the world. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Being born in our likeness, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. He took upon himself our sin and death and offered himself a perfect sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins for you and for many. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by His blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at His heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of God's children, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would the servers please come forward?
the one who lives and is not dead. When the cup is presented before you, and you dip the bread into the wine, Jesus Christ is now a part of you. Jesus is the living vine. He now lives inside of us. His spirit and ours are now the same. Remember his table as we live our lives. Everything we do should be Spirit and ours are now the same. 
there and look for Jesus every morning. And when you find Him, go with His grace, with the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. strong and